Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome to Tuesday's edition of the Football Social Daily. And despite it being midweek, there is no letting up as the 2021-22 season approaches the final straight. Premier League action and Champions League games on the horizon this week. And as always, here at FSD, we have got you covered. Give the subscribe button a quick click up the top there and you can get access to our daily episodes to make sure that you are right up to date as the season just barrels on in the coming weeks. On today's show, we're previewing tonight's Champions League action as defending European and current world, sounds like a boxing match, defending European and current world champions Chelsea take on Ligue 1 side Lille. Romelu Lukaku finds himself right in the middle of it for the Blues after he broke a pretty unfortunate record. He probably doesn't want reminded of it, but we are going to remind him of it in the show as he got himself the headlines. We also take a look at the fallout from Leeds' defeat to Manchester United at the weekend. I'm not talking about Scott McTominay's ankle. I'm talking about Marcelo Bielsa and what his next move at Leeds is. And despite the summer appearing to be a long way off based on Storm Eunice, Storm Storm Terry, Storm, Storm whatever, whatever you want to call your storms, the transfer rumour mill is already in action as Manchester City and Everton plot their next moves. Right, plenty to get through on this morning's show. My name's Fergal and joining me on Tuesday duty, we have Marley Anderson. Marley, on this fine Tuesday, how are we doing? Yeah, good morning. I'm still here. The the, uh, the storms in England haven't blown me away quite yet. I'm still hanging on, being nailed down. So, uh, yeah, happy uh, happy enough to still be here. Football Social Daily's answer to, to Craig David Marley. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, any day of the week, he's here. Craig David. Uh, and alongside Marley, we have Joel Tudor. Joel, how's things this morning? 
Yeah, all good. Um, I think the only thing that is, I thought the thing that would blow Marley away was his new Newcastle looking side, but clearly <laughs> not. Hard to impress. No, that's that's the advantage. When once the money has started to settle, you start acting like a rich person. It's like, like when you get paid <laughs> for that first few days or that week, you start acting like a rich person. And then I've uh, already got the uh, go back the to Versace f- gown and uh, brogues on 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 order. Yeah, <laughs> charge as long as you're keeping it real with Greg's. That's that's all. That's oh, hundred percent. Yeah, it doesn't matter how much how rich. You get you can't uh, you can't take Greg's out your uh, your staple balanced diet. No, not at all. Kieran Trippier lives by the same thing as well. Right, um, we're going to get started on uh, on tonight's game. Joel, let's go to you first on this Chelsea against Lille. As I said in the in the intro there in the build up, Chelsea are defending European champions, current world champions, and despite so much focus being on the restarting of the title race at the weekend with Manchester City and Liverpool, Manchester United and Arsenal and West Ham and Tottenham battling for what's probably going to be the last Champions League qualification spot. Chelsea have been quietly getting on with their job and they're actually in a position to win five trophies this season. They've already got the world title in the bank. They've got the EFL Cup final coming up this weekend and the the main treble, FA Cup Premier League, Champions League. They're still... They're still in a position that if all goes well, they could end up winning the absolute lot. And we mentioned this on on Sunday's show. They're probably benefiting from the fact that despite despite the fact they've just won a major trophy, not really many people are talking about them because all eyes are on Liverpool and City and how that plays out, United, Arsenal, etc. Does this play into Thomas Tuchel's hands that all that focus is not being shone on him? Because Chelsea haven't been amazing in 2022. They've been nice and consistent, as I say, getting the job done. And they're probably going to end the season with two, maybe even three trophies. Yeah, in some aspects. I mean, if you look just at the Premier League, I think they have been massively disappointing considering the fact that at the start of the season, they were probably one of the favourites, if not the favourite, to go and win the the title, Uh, especially with the amount of huge deals that they did and the team in terms terms of the depth is probably one of the best in the league by far. Uh, And I think one of the main reasons is just the fact that they've not got a striker scoring the goals as most of the other sides challenging do have um, but yeah they, to be honest obviously I think they went into that really bad run of form after that draw against Manchester United I think it was in November but since then they've only lost two games in three months which is pretty well very consistent to say the least um, so they have been quietly churning away and obviously they've got the Club World Cup which is always nice with that little shiny badge on your kit um, but then you've got the Champions League which you know they finished second in the in the, in the the groups to Juventus which again was pretty disappointing because I think many thought that that group was there for the taking but it seems to have done them really well where they've got Lille who are no longer the side that they were when they actually qualified for it last season Um so realistically obviously they've got the Carabao Cup at the end of the month that could be the first trophy the FA Cup's still something that's very realistic the Champions League I think that'll be too much for them this year um, but I mean if they get one trophy this season I think it's, it's it's an average season for Chelsea because like I say I feel like they had the team that could go and really challenge for the title this, this season but I just don't think that Tuchel anticipated just how misfiring his strikers were because you know let's not forget he has 150 million pounds worth of strikers and Mm. both of them are misfiring completely and I think when especially at Chelsea it seems to be a thing there where the big money strikers just never seem to do it apart from probably Diego Costa you would say Um, everyone else seems to 
have this kind of I don't know what it is this cursed role this cursed number nine uh, shirt yeah. apart from Cali Boularoos probably <laughs> um, so <laughs> what about Steve Sidwell oh he had the nine at one point oh yeah oh, yeah he did God. yeah well this, this is what yeah, I mean they just dash it about like it's any other number strikers yeah. it, <laughs> it is it is I think um, I think we, we, if you get into that if you go into Lukaku situation but um, yeah it's it's a strange season for Chelsea but I think just because of the fact that they're in so many competitions still, there's not a massive onus on Tuchel because there's still the ability to make it a successful season. But I still think they've been massively disappointing in the Premier League, um, despite the fact that you know they've only conceded the second least and um, they've scored the third highest. So it's not been awful, but I think they should have. They, I think personally, they should have done way better. Just looking ahead to tonight's game, a little bit of team news, Marley, in terms of how we're expecting Chelsea to line up. Reese James and Ben Chilwell are both still out, long-term injuries. Callum Hudson-Odoi will miss out too. Cesar Azpilicueta, Thomas Tuchel said yesterday that he's 50-50 because of a groin problem and Mason Mount is, is almost certain to miss out. So there's some important absences for Chelsea, but the focus that we're going to look at is the players that are going to play or are at least expected to play. And the group stage form was impacted by injuries to Timo Werner and Romelu Lukaku. They missed two important games and Chelsea dropped points as a result they still got through the group and they came through a second and let's say not a lucky draw but let's say a favourable draw in getting Lille who uh, who kind of battled through as group winners in their own right so Romelu Lukaku we know it hasn't really worked out for him to the extent that Chelsea fans would have wanted or would have anticipated when he came back to the club this summer and this record that I mentioned in the intro is how I'm going to build this into you Lukaku only touched the ball seven times in Saturday's 1-0 Premier League win over Crystal Palace. That's the lowest number any player has managed in a 90-minute Premier League appearance since Opta started measuring in 2003. Now, people in favour of Lukaku say the numbers kind of don't tell the full story. That's a big, stark number, a real negative hanging around his neck. Thomas Tuchel's come out and defended him and said... It's not the time for joking or focusing on these things to do with Lukaku. But you get the sense now that this is where Chelsea need him to fire. They're probably okay for getting top four, but in the Champions League and in the FA Cup as they approach the later rounds, he got two goals in the Club World Cup to get them the title or or help get them the title. They need him now and they probably need him tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the one thing that Lukaku has always had hanging over him is his record in, in big games um, against the best teams because he, he had a shocking record when he was at Man United. He used to go around every time Man United played Liverpool or, or Manchester City or, or Chelsea. Um, it would it would pop up like no goals in like 30-odd games or something against members of the, the big six, as you would call them. So it, it that was always hanging over him. And now you look at it and... He started off well and then he started giving interviews to Italy and it all went downhill from there. But, I mean, if you pay £100 million for a striker, you expect him to score against every team in the league. You'd, you'd expect him to score against a world eleven if if one existed. Um, but at the minute, I mean, Crystal Palace made him look like, you know, just completely like a Sunday league player against them because he, he just barely touched the ball. He wasn't a threat. Um, what was it? Seven touches, but... I think, I mean, I watched uh, the the clip of the seven touches that he took um, against Crystal Palace. Were these the seven good ones, at least? Do you know what? Actually, four or five of them were were, were good hold up play. But the one the, the in the compilation, they even showed you two touches that he took for ZX disallowed goal, 
and it was Lukaku's offside. So technically, those touches don't count. So two of those seven touches, if I've got this right, didn't count. So it was actually it was even worse than what it may appear. So you know, it, there's a huge problem there. He, he doesn't look happy. He doesn't look focused. Um, he doesn't look anything like the player that he was when he was at Inter last year. And I don't know whether the the football is just that much easier in Inter or the the weather's that much better that he likes it more or the language is, is nicer and everybody's a bit nicer to him or whatever it is. But you don't pay 97 or 100 million quid for a guy who, who might score against uh, against you know the the more inferior teams in the league so you need him to to step up because he's at an age in a, a stage of his career where he's got everything he needs to succeed and he, despite scoring over 100 premier league goals he will go down in my opinion as an absolute flop in this in this whole premier league um era because as soon as he left west brom and he kind of made it as you know, when he went to uh, when he went to Everton, then then Man United, and then Inter, and then Chelsea. For me, he's not he's not done enough for for a guy of his talent, of his stature, everything he's got about him. You know, he's uh, he's just nowhere near as good a player as he could have been, and it's it's really sort of um, just crapping on his reputation, in my opinion. Looking at the situation, Joel, with Lukaku and with Werner, based on the start to the season, we know that Werner also had difficulties last season in terms of settling at Chelsea and, and showing his best form. Ironically, we've probably seen the best of both of them in the Champions League, even though they've missed games through injury. Lukaku's got five goals in 12 starts in the Premier League, but he's got four goals in six starts in the Champions League. And then Werner, one Premier League goal and three Champions League goals. Now, Sometimes the numbers, as I say, can cannot really tell the full story. But you look right the way through the rest of the team. Chelsea have got the second best defensive record in the Premier League. They only conceded four goals in six Champions League games. So they were fairly solid in Europe as well. Midfield with Conte, Kovacic, Jorginho. They've got a really good unit. There is the sense now, knockout stages of the Champions League, business end of the Premier League. This is where they need them. For me, the big question between now and then the season for Chelsea is not top four. I think they've got it wrapped up. I think they might even get a domestic trophy. The big question is, can Lukaku and Werner score the goals to take them on another level? If you're a Chelsea fan looking at this, are you confident that they can? Um, well, I mean, going forward, I, I agree with Marley. I just don't think that Lukaku even wants to be there, no. It was clear in his um, Italian interview that he's... he's he was he, when he was at Inter Milan he was literally like a god there like Adriano level just because he brought the Scudetto back after a decade and if someone does that in Milan you're going to be forever like held up as a hero there and I think he thought that the grass was greener but when you think of Lukaku when he was in the Premier League banging them in of course he's, he's always scored like for United he scored a decent amount but he was his most prolific at West Brom and Everton because they were sides who played against the runner play majority of the time and he was always able to get in behind because he's, fa he's fast as hell and then when you go to Inter Milan he either had a little bit of a strike partnership with Latoro Martinez, which gave him a little bit of support or he had a, he had a manager Antonio Conte who completely bases his team around a target man he always have that has that figure up front who they supply consistently whereas with Thomas Tuchel and as he said in his interview um, the team isn't playing to I, I, he's basically saying I have to adapt to the team now which isn't how he's probably best to be played so I think 
I just don't think I think the writing's on the wall with this one because Thomas Tuchel's not going to change his side for him um, and I just don't see the situation improving either just because in the Premier League as well I just think that when he's at Chelsea I think if you're a striker you have to have good technical ability on the ball to actually survive there like we've seen with for example Didier Drogba he could have probably played on the wing he had that much good technical ability or he could have played um, or Diego Costa he had really good technical ability whereas when you look at the ones who failed like um, Andrei Shevchenko is a bit of an anomaly but like Fernando Torres and there's many many more who's not come come about yeah yeah, I don't know what it is there but I think with he needs to be in a certain type of setup and I think in Serie A where it's generally a little bit slower the defenders aren't as tight on you as probably the Premier League and he had a manager who basically wanted Lukaku to be the figurehead of the team I think he was always going to have the benefits of it Mm. but I think in the Premier League when you're with a team a top team who's always pinning the opposition back I just don't I, I watched it at United when he was playing for us when we were dominating a game he would be absent you wouldn't see him because he couldn't get involved in the game because he didn't have great technical ability he's a guy who just is an unbelievable finisher but if you can't supply him or if you can't get involved in the game he's just absent as we saw against Crystal Palace um, so I mean if Chelsea want to compete for the title having a top top striker is an absolute key element isn't it really and if you've got two strikers who you paid 150 million for and they're both completely absent apart from in Europe it's pretty telling isn't it because in Europe the football is generally a little bit slower Um, so they have a big problem with that and I wouldn't be surprised if on one or the other they probably cut the losses in the summer and find someone who's a little bit more technical um, in terms of being able to just be a big physical presence but can actually play as well Um, Right before we take a break Marley call this for us Lille won't be a pushover I know we've kind of built them up as the easier end of the jaw that Chelsea could have got in terms of group winners 11 points from 6 games meant they finished top of group G conceded 4 goals in those 6 games identical to Chelsea only Real Madrid and Bayern Munich conceded less than them but you would have the expectation that Chelsea will have enough to get through this. Bigger challenges lie ahead. How does this go down at Stamford Bridge tonight? Uh, I think it'll... I don't think it'll be a great game. Um, I think it'll be a Chelsea win, but not, again, not a not a real convincing one. I think if you look at sort of Chelsea and say, yeah, they're not in their best form, you've only got to look at take one look at, at Lille and see where they are in, in the French League and I think they're down in the 11th at the minute. So um, things aren't very good there. They've sort of used the Champions League as a, as a bit of a distraction um, this year and a, a sort of a welcome distraction. Um, but they've, they, I think they've lost too many players to really trouble Chelsea. I think last season of Lille with the manager and uh, and the sort of star players, um, I think could have give Chelsea a bit more of a problem. But this time round, I think Chelsea will uh, will pretty comfortably control the game, but not look uh, well because of the lack of strikers. I don't think they'll put a few past Lille, but. I think it'll probably be like two 0 or something, and fairly, fairly straightforward in terms of the the way the game goes. But um, could you could you imagine playing Chelsea at a, at a better time? Like if you were Lille, I'd, I'm not sure you could. So could could be a decent game, but don't expect it to be uh, to be any shocks really. Joel, would you agree? Maybe not pretty, maybe not the best game in the world, but you expect Chelsea to get the job done. Yeah, you would think so. Um, Lille last season have 
and not the se- uh, sorry Lille last season not the team they were this season obviously they won the, the league last year and now they're in mid-table but if there's anyone who can hopefully bail them out is Jonathan David who I've been massively impressed with I think he's probably going to end up getting a massive move in the summer but yeah it should be straightforward for Chelsea this one um, but then in the next round it'll be very telling because the opposition starts cranking up a little bit yeah, I agree. I'm going to make it three for three, a Chelsea win, but bigger challenges to come down the road, which sounds strange when we're talking about the defending European and world champions, but I just think the uh, the rest of the field is probably a bit stronger for them. But tonight, Chelsea should have enough. Right, we're going to take a quick break here on the Football Social Daily. After the break, we are talking Leeds. Marcelo Bielsa's side lost the War of the Roses at the weekend. Scott McTominay's ankle took a battering, but so did Leeds. They find themselves still down in the relegation battle and I'm going to be asking the guys what next for Marcelo Bielsa and Leeds as they look to stay in the Premier League this season. We'll be back in just a second. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League podcast. Just a quick reminder, as always, here on Football Social Daily, we are here every single day of the Premier League season. If you hit subscribe, you can get access to a brand new episode, keeping you right up to date as the season powers on in the next few weeks and months. But up next, we're going to be talking about Leeds. Difficult situation for Leeds. Marley, let's go to you first on this one because we talked before the break about Chelsea and how there's focus on other teams in their part of the table and you find yourself in a similar situation with Leeds. There's so much focus on Burnley and Watford and who's inevitably going to go down. Can your team, Newcastle, get sucked back into it? Will Everton go down and break their long record of never being relegated from the Premier League? There's maybe not a massive amount of attention on Leeds, despite the fact that they are slipping and slipping and slipping. They've won just two Premier League games in 2022. The defeat that we mentioned before the break to Manchester United keeps them right in there. And and as it stands, it doesn't look good. 24 games played, 23 points on the board. That keeps them five points above Burnley obviously have two games in hand. Everton have a game in hand on them. They could leapfrog them if they win that. Things are not looking great for Leeds. And despite the fact that there's probably attention on other teams rather than Bielsa and his players, they are right in the mix and they could go back to the championship. Yeah, it's uh, it's not 
uh, it's not over for Leeds um, in terms of like they're not they're not out of this. Then they're very much in this in this fight because you know there is focus on other teams because they're they're probably you know Everton and Newcastle are, are probably bigger teams in terms of the ones that attract the the attention because um, Everton shouldn't be down there obviously and Newcastle have got all the money so they obviously they're going to attract a fair few headlines. Um, but yeah, I, I would be worried if I was Leeds, if I'm honest. They haven't won in four games now. Um, they don't really look like scoring anywhere near enough to to drag themselves out of it. You look at how they're um, how they're sort of playing, and you you know that Bamford hasn't. I think he's played about six games this season or something and missed the rest. Um, Rafinha is is obviously amazing, but can't do everything himself. Um, and the defense is is really poor. Um, I think the the signings they've 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 took like Lorente and, and Robin Cock aren't that they're not amazing. Um, and for me, Pascal Strauch's one of the worst players I can I can think of in the Premier League. I think for for a guy who starts every week, he's just full <laughs> of mistakes. He just he just baffles me when he's on the ball. He looks like he's going to lose it. Um, he made a mistake at the weekend for Man United, one of Man United's goals, um, and. Yeah, the Leeds haven't. It, I think it's just a depth thing, if I'm honest. Like, even when they've got everyone fit, they're still not that deeper squad. They've still got like a few sort of standout players, and then everyone else just isn't isn't quite good enough. Like Stuart Dallas was amazing last season, but you know, is Stuart Dallas the type of person who's sort of a a, a seven or eight out of ten player every week? Like, no, not this season. He just hasn't been. Um, you look at the goals that they're not scoring enough. Um, Meslier's stick like doing his best, but when you're facing 15 shots a game, two or three are gonna go past you. It's, it's as simple as that. Um, but they need to they need to book it up because everyone's kind of got used to how they play. Um, it's almost a typical case of that second season syndrome, which is a, a cliche I don't really like to use, but probably the the cliche that pops up and sort of re like reappears every other every other season. Um, like it did with Sheffield United the other the other uh, sorry last year when they went down with a whimper. It could happen to Leeds because you know they're 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 banging trouble um, and they've got to improve quickly because. They're running out of time, really. Twenty-four games, only one five. It's not. It's not exactly not relegation form, is it? The the goal issue, and in terms of conceding goals, Joel, that's the big issue for for Leeds so far this season. They've conceded <clears throat> bang on an average of two goals for every Premier League game they've played. They've let in fifty goals. Only Norwich have conceded more. That is pretty dreadful. And you look at the teams that are in and around them in the table in the relegation conversation. Generally, they've conceded up to 10 less. Everton have only conceded 40, Watford 43, Burnley 29. I know Burnley are probably a bit of a special case because they never concede many goals. And they have had issues with injuries. Bamford, Phillips are so important. Phillips has only played 12 Premier League games. Bamford's only played six. And obviously, he was central to everything positive about Leeds last season you get the sense that they just want to get over the line they want to make sure that they're a Premier League team next season and in the summer there will be changes so I want to talk about what one of those changes could be and that's Marcelo Bielsa he's absolutely loved and adored by the Leeds United fans he can do no wrong sitting on a bucket sitting on the floor he could sit some of them would let him sit in sit in, sit in their living room they, they love him that much but you do have to have the difficult conversation of, of what next for Bielsa. He's out of contract this summer. He generally never signs more than a one, maybe a two-year extension. And he kind of, 
admitted that he had his arm twisted a little bit to sign this extension because he was confident that they could stay in the Premier League and look to build and he, he wanted to leave them in a stronger position than when he started obviously in the Premier League so looking at the odds in terms of where he is he's, he's currently fifth to be sacked fifth down he's not going to be sacked Leeds are not going to sack Marcelo Bielsa but there is a difficult decision to make in the summer for him for Leeds for Leeds fans of if he probably doesn't want to sign the extension don't twist his arm a second time but there's the concern that if he does leave so much of what Leeds are about is tied into Marcelo Bielsa another manager can't just come in and immediately pick it up because he's a very unique manager he's got a very unique way of doing things and it's a difficult balancing act for Leeds to get right because if they get it wrong we're going to be having the same conversation this time next year and they're probably going to go down yeah I think with Bielsa is his hands have been a little bit tied this season. I think last season he was able to, well, to be fair, they did concede quite a lot last season as well, but the only difference was that they had players who could actually kind of outscore their opponents in some cases. Bamford. And obviously, yeah, Bamford, exactly. He's the massive main missing point and he's barely featured this season. Another one I would say is Calvin Phillips, who I think they've missed massively in the midfield. He's barely played. Uh, then you've got Liam Cooper. Um, obviously, they lost Ben White, I think it was la- a couple of seasons ago. I think he was a big miss. Um, so he's, he's not had the biggest fortune this year and it happens a lot with clubs who have a great season because pretty much they've had an injury-free year. Um, everything's clicked for them. And then suddenly the next season, players leave, injuries happen, and he has to kind of feel the makeshift side. Obviously, you get players who come out of the shadows a little bit, like Rafinha, who's probably been their, their star light this season in terms of actually getting the goals. But apart from that, I mean, they paid, what, 30 million for Rodrigo, and he's been nowhere near what everyone thought he, he, he was going to do. And But I think uh, with Banford, he's... Well, it's it's pretty obvious, isn't it? When you don't have your main striker playing for you, and especially when you a lower like a mid-table side, you're going to suffer massively. So, I wouldn't be surprised if Bielsa does move on because, as we've seen in his in his previous clubs, he's he's not a guy who is keen on staying around consistently. If he feels like he's done all he's if he's done all he he can at a club, he will move on. Um, I think there was talk of Jesse Marsh, who's potentially being lined up to replace him who I don't think is a, a massive upgrade on him um, but yeah I think this season is just all about just maintaining the Premier League status because as we've said the three the two main players who were probably their players of the season last year in Calvin Phillips and Patrick Bamford they've not been around at all this year and if you take the two best players out of any side in the league every single side will suffer no matter what so yeah it's, it's a season of just survival for them and just maintaining their spot they can't do much else to kind of better last season but um, they just don't want to have the same scenario as Sheffield did where they went straight back down and then you don't know how long it's going to take it could take another 19 years again so you never know about that so I think the, the goal is just just staying in the Premier League I think looking at the situation with with managers and in terms of who might leave I'm just looking at some of the odds here and the strangest thing that nobody is talking about is Mr. No Manager to Leave is currently top 
of the rankings. He's doing worse than anybody, uh, and I think that's a bit unfair on Mr. No Manager to leave. I think he's getting a real a real bad press on that. Right, looking at Leeds and their situation, Marley, we, we try to avoid cliches, but sometimes they do just they do just work. Home form is going to be central for them, for Newcastle, for Everton to try and pull away from the bottom three. And just looking at their home games, they've got 14 games between now and the end of the season, seven at home and seven away. So at Elland Road, they've got Tottenham, Aston Villa, Norwich, Southampton, Chelsea, Man City and Brighton. Now, looking at that, I'm based on the idea that they don't pick up a lot of points on the road. We know that. Is that enough in the bank to keep them in the Premier League? Uh, well, it, it has to be, doesn't it? <laughs> Simple as that. I don't think they can pick and choose which games they go for at this point. You've got to... You've got to make Elland Road an absolutely horrible place to go, um, and they have done that in the past. You know the crowd, the, the crowd at Leeds is probably one of the best in the league. It's probably in the top five. It's uh, for a for a sort of fan base that hasn't had you know Premier League football for for what nearly twenty years, and then they've had it last year, and and then this year where they can actually get in grounds properly. Um, you're looking at that and thinking like that should be the big sort of thing that Leeds have that other teams struggle to match um, and obviously the the lack of players and the, the injuries have, have sort of superseded that a little bit and, and made it not quite able to, to be the same but I think with, with Leeds they, they'd have just have to go just all out for everything like if you if you have to try and score four goals and because con- you kind of concede three then play like that I think Bielsa is clever enough. He's been around the block, you know, more times than than any manager in the league, probably. Um, so he knows what he's doing. He knows the challenges he's facing, um, and you've just got to hope for his sake that he that he comes out the other side of this. Because I don't think Bielsa will want another um, season after this, whether they go up or uh, sorry, whether they stay up or go down. To be honest, because I think if if they stay up, he'll say. Look, I've took this this club as far as you know, as far as I can. I've got them into the Premier League first time in 19 years. Uh, I kept them there, and then I kept them there this season as well. And I think if he goes down, um, I think he is the type of guy who who says, "Look, I've I've failed. Whether you think I've failed or not, I've failed." And I think he'll say, you, "Someone else deserves a chance," because that's the type of character he is. He he doesn't. He doesn't believe his own hype type of thing. He doesn't. He doesn't sign contracts for the sake of it and for for the payday. He doesn't need it. He doesn't want it. Um, so I think with with that coming up, you know, these seven home games left will be uh, will be what makes or breaks leads. But either way, I can see them going in a different direction at the end of the season. Joel, have they got enough left to to squeak it, to squeeze it? Is there three worst teams? You know, we're throwing all the cliches in here. Will Leeds have enough to stay in the Premier League, whether or not Bielsa is in charge come the start of next season? Yeah, so um, with Leeds, I think when you look at the league table, obviously they're only five points away from safety at the moment. But I think the team that they're all going to be watching out for is Burnley, just because they're the ones who have the two games in hand on both Leeds and on Newcastle. So, you know, if they end up picking up form, which they seem to be at the moment, um, then I will be worried. But I mean, one one win for Leeds and it takes them up to 13. So it's, it's a very... It's a very knife-edged kind of point of the season, isn't it? Where one loss and you're suddenly doomed, one winning, you're suddenly looking at the mid-table again. So I think they should be okay. I think they're 
a little bit better equipped than say you know the teams below them um, probably Bath you know Watford and Norwich and Newcastle but um, I think they should have enough to stay up yeah I agree uh, and I've been saying it for weeks I'm going to bore you two with it said it at the weekend been saying it for ages Burnley will decide the relegation battle and I think and I'm kind of making it my hill to die on uh, in the last couple of weeks I think they'll get out of it Brentford are my tip because they are dropping and dropping like a stone but I think I think Leeds will be okay but I think uh, in terms of Marcelo Bielsa we could be seeing the end of him in the Premier League or certainly the end of him at Elland Road right we're going to take another quick break after the break it is transfers Raheem Sterling's future at Manchester City and according to reports Everton are going to be splashing the cash this summer Frank Lampard is going to be given a big stack of money but who is he spending it on we're going to be talking about all of that in just a second Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily. We are talking transfers in the final part of the show today. Raheem Sterling, Joel, is the first one in terms of gossip pages. He's right at the top at the moment. Obviously, no transfer window at the moment. We've got to wait until the summer, until contracts are negotiated and there's the the potential for some big moves in the Premier League market. According to reports from the Times this morning, Manchester City, Pep Guardiola want Raheem Sterling to stay. Now, we know at the start of the season there was talk of him leaving. Guardiola didn't open the door for him, but he said, the door's open. It's up to you if you want to go. Um, his current contract is until 2023. According to this report, they want to give him an extension until 2026 with the option until 2027. It would bring his wages up to make him the second highest player at City in behind Kevin De Bruyne. So what I wanted to ask is, based on his record over the last couple of seasons... He has stepped up. He has stepped up in terms of his goals and he's stepped up to be one of City's main players. Particularly this season, he scored some really, really important goals. Is this the right move for all concerned? Is this the right move for Guardiola and City to say, you're our guy, you're 27, this is the big contract that you're going to sign now to straddle the the big part of the end of your career. We're backing you. We believe that you're the guy for us to score the goals and turn in these big performances for Manchester City is this the right call for all for all concerned to be honest I've never really seen him away from Manchester City to be honest I couldn't really name a club where I feel like he'd suit just because at City I just think he he slots into that team really well in terms of how they play and how you know they're quite quick in their play and that's what his, his game's about really um, it's always the case at City though because of how talented that foot, that front line is as soon as one of the players doesn't play a lot or he goes out of form suddenly everyone feels as though you know they're surplus to their needs and they end up getting linked up with a move away um, but you know with Sterling you can't deny his goal scoring ability I mean he's got over 100 Premier League goals which is an amazing achievement especially for someone who's not a striker um, so I think in terms of his, his position at City I think Guardiola really 
values him in terms of what he can do. He can play on the left, play on the right. He could potentially play as a false nine if need be. Um, and he's still relatively young as well. So I don't think, I think it's the perfect move for all parties, to be honest. And trying to replace him, I think, would be a really difficult ask because he's pretty much guaranteed a good 10 Premier League goals a season. Um, and from a winger, I think that's a really good return. So I think it's a, it's a good move all around. I never saw the Barcelona or the Real Madrid move happen and I just don't think it would have worked out for him to be honest I think when when you're yeah I think as I've said before you have to be a certain kind of player with a certain kind of ego to survive at, a cl- at both of these clubs I think you you already need to have a little bit of that Galactico um, ego and attitude yeah it, it, as we've seen with many players in the past who've not survived they you know like Michael Owen Jonathan Woodgate the, the guys who did survive with for example David Beckham Cristiano Ronaldo Gareth Bale because they're guys who either can show it in their ability regardless of the environment or they have that kind of mentality and that attitude so I just don't think he would have survived out there and I think it's the best move for him to stay How does this affect the rest of City's business this summer Mali because we know last summer the big links with Harry Kane the deal didn't come to fruition based on his performance this weekend Pep might go back for him he might not Erling Haaland gets thrown into the mix when his release clause at Dortmund drops this summer Kylian Mbappe is floating around looking for a new job I'm not saying that Raheem Sterling replaces those players but if you give a big contract a big four five year contract to Raheem Sterling does that affect not only your ability but also your interest in going for other players this summer uh, probably yeah because well it goes without saying doesn't it if if you if you lost him you would have to replace him so um, well even though prob- there's probably one team in the world that doesn't need to replace a, a player as good as Sterling and it probably is Man City but I think if, if they did lose him he would they would just go out and sign someone uh, whoever that may be I, I don't know whether they've got someone in mind but I'm, I think I'm the same as Joe like, I can't see him leaving if I'm honest I think he's He's happy there. Um, there was talk of him going to Barcelona a month ago, but you know they've they've moved, found some money from somewhere down a few sofas and signed Aubameyang, Adama Traore, and Ferran Torres, and you know all the rest of them as well. So there, um, that that link's gone. And yeah, just like Joel, I can't see him anywhere else. To be honest, I can't see him at another club in the Premier League. Um, I can't see him. I can't see him at Real Madrid if I'm honest. But if he if he stays, do they sign someone else? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think they've pretty much got what they need. I think if if they sign anybody, um, it might be might be Erling Haaland if if those rumours are true, and you know, God God help everyone else if they get Erling Haaland. But it's um, it's. I, they don't need anyone, do they? Really? Like they've got wingers at the minute, you know. Foden played quite a lot on the wing recently. Uh, Mares, Grealish, and Sterling as well. And then you got play, you know, players like Cole Palmer and Gabriel Jesus has played on the wing for for a little bit this season as well. So there's plenty of options there. So I don't see why they would. It's not like a gaping hole they need to fill. They're still walking the league with with who they've got. So even if you took Sterling out. Um, I don't think they'd sign anyone or they don't don't need to sign anyone. So if they kept him, I think it, it wouldn't be the case either. 
Uh, looking at one of the other big transfer newses, newses, news stories this morning, Joel, from the Daily Mirror, and it's concerning Everton and Chelsea. Chelsea loan trio Billy Gilmore, Conor Gallagher and Armando Broca are remote, reportedly being targeted by Frank Lampard, provided Everton stay in the Premier League. All three of them are on loan this season. Gilmore at Norwich, Conor Gallagher at Palace and Broca at Southampton. Gallagher's probably been the pick of the three, although I have been quite impressed with Broca at Southampton. I think he's eased what was a, a sticky situation after Danny Ings left and, w- and went to Aston Villa. The first question I want to ask you before we look at Everton is, if they go back to Chelsea this summer, and we know that Chelsea are famous for loaning out 50,000 players and only one of them comes back and gets into the first team, can any of them make it at Chelsea? If Gallagher goes back, is there a role in midfield? Can Broca be a foil if Lukaku continues to misfire? Is there a place for any of them? Or is the sad truth that they probably get a Premier League career but not at Stamford Bridge. Uh, well, I think if you look at the striker situation, I think Armando Broja is probably the, the most logical one to give a try, uh, just because I think I've been massively impressed with him. I think he looks amazing up front. Um, he, he reminds me a little bit of the way he kind of bursts through defenders, like a little bit of Luis Suarez about him. Not in terms of how good he is, of course, but I mean in terms of his play style a little bit. Um, I think he's 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 looking good so far. Obviously. He has to continue to be consistent. I don't think Conor Gallagher would be able to make a break in that midfield because it's just full of world-class players. Um, so it's difficult at Chelsea, and I think sometimes these players need to just make a permanent move to the club that they're at. Like I think Conor Gallagher would probably have a. I think it'd be smart for him to make a permanent transfer to Palace or to you know someone else like Leicester or that kind of club. Um, so yeah, potentially, but I think I think the one who has the most chance is probably uh, Broja, just because. I mean, the, the striker situation is worth a punt, isn't it? Considering none of them can really get going up front. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And I think there's going to be a lot of interest for him in the summer. Marley, then I'm going to ask you the question about Everton. Again, all on the assumption that Everton do stay in the Premier League. Norwich, with the best will in the world, are probably not. So that means that it's unlikely that they're going to go for a permanent deal for Gilmore. So if all three of them come on the market this summer... There is a difficult question to be had because Lampard is trying to build Everton in a certain direction. But if you're Conor Gallagher at Crystal Palace, he's been really good for them this season. Seven Premier League goals. Talk of an England call-up for the next international window. He has impressed. Patrick Vieira's looked to change things at Crystal Palace. He's a really important player for them. Southampton, we know, are a good, solid Premier League team. Why would they go to Everton? Because Everton every season, we sit down and we say, where is Everton going to finish? Can they crack the top four? Can they get Europa? And inevitably, they fall short. And most of the time, they finish below these teams or or in and around them in the Premier League table. Is it a little bit disingenuous to say Conor Gallagher would definitely go to Everton rather than Palace or Broca would definitely go to Everton instead of staying at Southampton? When in reality... Both of them have got a good thing going. And if those moves became permanent, that might actually be a better option than what's become a bit of a poison chalice at Everton. Yeah, so I suppose you know, there's a there's a point there. Um, you know, there, there is going to be interest in, in those players when they go back to Chelsea. Um, there'll be a lot of clubs who, who've took note of what Armando brought is it bro yeah bro yeah bro ha whatever whatever it is i'm just gonna call him armando for now um you know there's gonna be people watching him score goals in in a decent but not amazing southampton team um and saying you know we can we can provide him more chances he's six foot two he's 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 quick he can finish you know why why can't we um 
tempting by by our project, whoever that may be, whether it's Everton, whether it's you know the the sort of mid table teams, Crystal Palace, even Newcastle, for example, could they would they be interested? Um, and the same goes for for Conor Gallagher. I can't see Gallagher getting in to the Chelsea team anytime soon ahead of Kante, Kovacic, Jorginho, Havertz, Mount. Pulisic or or Ziyech, you know that they're, they're all there in ahead of him. They've cost way more, um, so there's kind of an obligation to try and make them fit. Um, so I can see see them leaving. If you look at Everton, Conor Gallagher to Everton seems like a, a really good fit for me. I think goals from midfield is something Everton need. Um, you know they've, they've signed Deli Ali, but it's it's a bit of a chance. Um, they you know Van der Beek probably won't stay permanently so if you were, were looking for a bit of energy and a bit of bite to that midfield then then Gallagher would uh, would fit that role but at the same time if I was Crystal Palace I'd be doing everything I can to keep him because you've you've proved that he's like you, you're a good fit for each other type of thing he's scored plenty of goals for Palace this season he's probably been arguably the best player this this whole whole year he's probably learning everything he needs to off Patrick Vieira on the training field every you know every training session so there's plenty of positives there so I think people need to learn from um from Tino Livramento um and say and look at Chelsea and go am I going to get into that team realistically because Tino Livramento came out of Chelsea as their sort of youth team player of the year left for 12 million and he's been one of the best right backs in the league this season for Southampton so I think a lot of pay, a lot of players must start looking at, at what Chelsea can possibly get, probably give them over the next two or three years and say what's better for my development 38 games a season for a for a mid or lower half team or five games and a few Carabao Cup appearances for, for a top team because there's only one winner in my eyes and that's for your development. You have to go and play games and that's what teams are, what are, that's what players are starting to do now. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this kind of weird proxy war that we're going to have in the summer of mid-table Premier League sides and elite former Premier League midfielders. Vieira, Lampard, Gerrard going toe-to-toe for, for the Conor Gallagher's of this world. All we need is Roy Keane to take over Leeds when Marcelo Bielsa moves on and then we're going to have a real a real showdown for, for these players. Right, guys, we're going to call it there for today's edition of the Football Social Daily. As always, Joel, Marley, thanks so much for your time. Cheers, guys. Thanks, guys. Great stuff indeed. Don't forget, as always, to check out the podcast every single day between here and the end of the season. We are with you every step of the way. Twists and turns all the way between now and the end of the campaign. Thanks so much for listening and we'll speak to you again very, very soon. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.